Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. Did you know that grace, this amazing, huge idea in the Bible, is multifaceted? 1 Peter 4 verse 10 speaks about the manifold grace of God. And yet my suspicion is that most of us have a vague idea of grace. Imagine looking at a beautiful rose through blurry glasses or perhaps you you can't see clearly and it's just a blob of color. You wouldn't appreciate the beauty of that rose. And that's what grace is like. Many of us see it as just a blob. We don't really understand what makes up grace. What are the elements of it? How do I understand grace? And so in our talks at the moment, we're looking at four aspects of grace. We looked at mercy last week and today we're looking at justice. Next week, we're looking at empowerment and then eternity. And we're going to see the manifold grace of God needs to be understood in its different aspects, because if we don't, we cannot fully understand it, appropriate it, enjoy it and live it. That rose needs to be seen in clear focus for it to to be have an impact on our lives. And like grace, The rose is beautiful when it's seen in its different aspects, the different petals, the the flower bud and the stem. But if we start to take it apart too much, we're left with something that's not beautiful. And so we've got to be careful that we keep the elements of grace together and we don't focus on just one. So, for instance, mercy. Mercy means kindness, pity. Uh, When someone has mercy on someone, it's a bit like somebody pleading, please forgive me, please forgive me. And the person has the power to just say you're forgiven. That's the mercy aspect. And we can and must rely on that. But if we only rely on that, what happens to us is we start to say, is the king in a good mood today? Have I pled hard enough for my mercy to be given? (laughs) That's if we just think of mercy. But mercy is an important aspect, but we must marry it together with this idea called justice. And this may surprise you, what I'm going to say today. But I want to make a bold claim that without understanding the justice aspect of grace, you have not understood grace. If you think grace is just God having pity on you, God being merciful, God being kind, God turning his eye and winking and closing his eye and saying, I'm going to pretend you didn't do that. If you think grace is just mercy, you will be inadequate in your Christian life and in your understanding of God's love for you. So let's look at this. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a well-known verse, but let me just unpack it a little bit. It says if we confess our sins and that idea there, if you read the verses before and the verses after, it says if we claim we have no sin, then we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So when it says confess our sins, it's saying admit we have sins, admit we need salvation, admit we need God to help us. If we come to him and say, God, I need help. The reason I'm stressing that is because some people say, what if there's one little sin that I haven't confessed? What if there's something that I did or didn't do that I I forgot to confess? Am I then not fully saved? Because again, we're thinking of this 
idea of mercy. If I haven't quite done it right, maybe the king won't give me mercy. But it's impossible for us to know every sin we've done. It's impossible. There are things you've done that you can't remember. And there are things you should have done that you don't even know you should have done. And so for us to say that I must confess every little sin is not correct. But if we admit we need help, if we come to God humbly and say, God, I, I need my sins forgiven. He is faithful. That means he can be relied upon. He is the same every single day and every time we come to him, he is faithful and just. And this is the word I want to focus on and rely on today. He is just to forgive us our sins. How can he be just? What is just? Just means correct, means right, means legally fair. How is it just to have mercy? Let me give you an example. Imagine you have somebody break into your home and they steal some of your treasured possessions and some of your photos that you love so much and they mess up your house and it costs you a lot of money and they get caught and the judge says, you have done this wrong and they plead for mercy. Judge, please forgive me. Judge, please forgive me. And the judge says, okay, you're free to go. And I say, but what about all the money that I've lost? What about the emotional upheaval that's happened to me? And the judge says, no, I'm just having mercy. How is that just? That's not just. That's not fair. That's not right. That's not legal. That's not correct. Just means it is right and fair to everybody concerned. It means the rules have been followed. It means there is no law breaking anymore. It means we have got a correct repayment for the wrong that was done. It means justice has been served. And we have this problem, you and I, as human beings, where we need mercy, we want mercy, we have to have mercy because we've all sinned and messed up. We must have mercy, but we also have this inbuilt sense of right and wrong and justice. And we feel the unfairness when justice is not met. And we feel passionate about justice being done. That person must pay. Those people must do better. That government should do their duty. But then when the spotlight turns to us, <laughs> oh boy, then we're not so keen on justice anymore because we know if justice was fully and properly meted out, we would not stand. So how can God be just to forgive us our sins? There's another verse that backs this up to show that God is just, that he is showing righteousness or fairness or correctness. Romans 3 verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yes, everybody has sinned and fallen short. We're all in that uh, box of the accused in the courtroom, every single one of us. There is only one judge and there is only one jury and it's God. And everybody else is the accused. All have sinned. There's nobody who's, who's better than the rest and can say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll speak for you. No, no, we're all in that same boat. Being justified, justified means declared innocent, freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. So we're going to look at this in a moment, but Jesus somehow made it just, made it right. He sacrificed himself. He's a propitiation. And we'll look at that in a minute. Through faith. So we accept this just by saying yes. 
to demonstrate his righteousness. Now that is important. It's that same, it comes from the same root word as just in the previous verse. Righteousness, fairness, correctness, legally right. He has done everything right. There is no one who's suffering as a result. To demonstrate his righteousness in his forbearance, it says, in other words, his mercy and his patience, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, his justice, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. What it says is that before Jesus died on the cross, God was patiently keeping a, a store, a record, uh, keeping track of all those sins, but he wasn't punishing them yet. And then when Jesus came, God was just in punishing Jesus and it was enough and it was righteous and it was correct and the penalty has been paid and it is legally enforceable. Let me give you a couple of illustrations of this. Number one, imagine um, a relative of yours has died who you didn't know very well and you didn't get on with and you get a, a phone call or an email or a letter saying you have inherited 10 million pounds or dollars from this person. And you say, but I didn't know them well. I was a bit horrible to them. Uh, I wasn't a good person. And, and the executor of the state says, yes, they were kind to you. They were merciful to you. Uh, but here it is. Legally, this is yours. This estate, this building, this money is yours. Um, you say, is it really? I mean, is there nothing I have to do? Do I not have to earn this? Can I not, you know, somehow work for this? They say, no, it's a free gift. You've inherited it. The legal document, that last will and testament, signed and officially stamped and executed under law, means these things are yours. That is the mixture of mercy and justice, where the person was kind to leave you this thing, but it is legally enforceable because they have done it correctly. And if anyone comes to you and makes a claim and says, that's not yours, that's actually mine, or that's somebody else, you can say, no, no, in law, it's mine. And if you were to marry the kindness and the justice together, you would be grateful, eternally grateful. You would say, wow, I don't deserve this. I'm humbled and I'm grateful and I'm, I'm full of joy. But you would also use the gift or the house or the money or whatever it was they've given you. You would use it because it is legally yours. And if anyone challenged it, you would say, it is mine. Yes, I was very lucky or blessed or fortunate to receive it, but it is legally mine. Friends, many of us have not understood this aspect of grace and we're living always under mercy only where we realize God has been kind to us, but we think we can't really rely on this thing and we can't be bold about it and we can't make legal claims and we can't say it is mine because we think, well, then I'm, I'm abusing his mercy. Maybe he'll take his mercy away from me. And I want to tell you that God is just. God is righteous. God has legally made it correct. So how did he do that? How could God do that? How could he make it legally correct that I am forgiven? Friends, when I misuse or abuse you in some way, let's say I steal 10 pounds or $10 from you. I owe you money. There is an offense. Mercy would say, okay, don't worry about it. But justice would say, somebody has to pay this 10 pounds back. Somebody has to make up the difference. There has to be an accurate reckoning. Not nine pounds 99, 
not any other way. It has to be paid back correctly. Who's going to pay? If we're going to have correct justice, one of two people must pay. Either I must pay because I did wrong, or you, as the one who was wronged, must find that money from somewhere and pay the difference. And that's what happened. God said, you have sinned, human race. You deserve punishment. Now, you might say, why do we deserve punishment? Why can't God just bend the rules? He made the rules. Why can't he just change the rules? Because he's consistent. God is good and righteous and holy and pure, and he's consistent through and through. And he cannot just make a rule which comes out of his own character and then change it or break it. He, he can't do that. He doesn't do that. He says, this is how it is. I'm just and I'm righteous and I'm fair and I'm pure. The only thing I can do is delay punishment or take the punishment myself. You say to me, but Jesus was the one punished, not God the Father. This is where the doctrine of the Trinity is so important. Jesus is God. God himself in the form of Jesus paid the price. He didn't punish somebody else for, for my sin. He took it. He was the one offended. He was the one who, who is the ultimate judge of all righteousness and justice. And he was the one who paid the price. In the courtroom, the judge got off his chair and took off his robe. And he came down and he hugged me, the accused. He paid my price. And if I deserved any punishment, he took it himself. And I want to tell you that what Jesus did on the cross was enough to pay for all of the sin that you have done and will do, and all the sin of humanity, past, present, and future. You say, but how can one person pay for the sin of so many people? How can one person legally and correctly take all the punishment for so many sins? The reason is, A, because Jesus was God and man. He is the ultimate representative of God and man. He's this mixture of the two. And B, because he had no sin himself. None. He took it for us. He didn't have a single sin himself. There's an amazing verse in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. It says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Now, friends, this justice aspect of grace is what I'm hoping is starting to seep into your hearts and minds right now. Yes, God is merciful. Yes, he's kind. Yes, he has been so kind to us and forgiving us. But he has given us a legal document. You say, what is the legal document? Well, just like a last will and testament, when somebody dies, gives you legal authority and ownership over something. God has given us his will and testament, the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the book of Hebrews, it speaks of, of this as a testament, as, as a legal document that's given to show ownership. God has given us a legal document. He has sent his word. He has paid the price. He has given us something we can rely on. That's why I feel it's so important that the Bible is treated with correct respect and isn't changed and amended whenever culture changes because it's God's testament to us. It's a legal document. He says, this is what is true. 
Also, he sent his word in the form of Jesus. He sent himself and historically we can look and we can know Jesus lived. He died. He was punished a cruel death on the cross. You know, that punishment that he took, he could have just had a simple death, but he took a terrible death. It lasted more than 24 hours of torture and suffering and deprivation of emotional and physical pain and rejection. Uh, it was extraordinarily cruel and painful, but he took it so that he had paid fully for every single sin, for every wrongdoing, for everything we've overlooked, for everything we've done intentionally, for everything we should have done but haven't done. He paid the price. There isn't a single sin that you could do or that anyone can do that Jesus didn't pay for. He took the price. He took the punishment. He took the pain. And it was God himself saying, I will take it so that you don't have to. And when I understand that, I need to say, yes, I'm grateful for God's mercy. Of course, I am so grateful. But if I respect what Christ did, and if I respect his word as being true, I will walk with my head held high and say, I am fully forgiven. It is mine. I can claim it. I can own it. I can use it. It is mine. This grace, this forgiveness is mine. And that's why we're told in Hebrews 4, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It's not just mercy. It's this grace, this justice aspect, this, this gift of inheritance that we've been given. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, his last words were, it is finished. That's the English translation. But the Greek word was tetelestai. And that was a word that they used in business and in the marketplace in that day and age. They would stamp it on an invoice when it was paid in full. Tetelestai, paid in full. There is nothing more owed. It is legally correct that this debt has been extinguished and dealt with. Jesus said, Tetelestai, it is paid, it is finished. And I want you to hear that, my friend. If you've been living only in mercy, oh God, maybe you'll forgive me. Oh God, perhaps you'll have mercy on me. No, no. He says, yes, I'm merciful, but you can rely on it. You can take that invoice with the stamp, paid in full, Tetelestai, and you can show it to people who accuse you, to the devil who accuses you and says you're not good enough to your own conscience that accuses you, to your own emotions that go up and down, you can say, I am forgiven. I am cleansed. I am justified, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. I am declared clean and righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Wow, what an amazing truth. What an incredible truth. Friend, I'm really praying that your eyes are being opened today because it'll change you. You'll come boldly to the throne of grace often. You'll walk into God's presence and you'll say thank you. But you'll also go boldly into the world. You'll walk with a new sense of, I actually have something from God that I can rely on. And it's legally correct. It's legally right that I own this. Couple more illustrations. Number one, in 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation where he said slavery has ended for all the slaves who are under our control. It was about three million, maybe more slaves in America 
in the in the states that he was legally responsible for. Uh, he signed it. He said they are free. Emancipation Pro Proclamation, will and testament. I've given you freedom. But at the end of the war, a few years later, only a million of those slaves had walked free. They were legally free, but they hadn't enjoyed it. Maybe they hadn't heard about it. Maybe they'd heard about it, but they just didn't believe it. Maybe they weren't willing to stand up to their slave owner and say, I am legally free and I'm walking out of here. Friend, I believe there are many, many people who A, haven't heard about this grace, this justice part of grace, where God says, I have paid the price and you can rely on it. It's, it's not a question of emotion or do I feel like it or have I earned it? It's been paid. It's been given to me. Many people haven't heard about it. Number two, many people have heard about it, but they can't quite bring themselves to accept it. They're still, every time they sin, they're overcome with guilt or the devil accuses them or somebody else has told them they're useless and they cannot walk free. And only a few take it and say, I'm going to walk in this grace. I'm going to walk every day as a completely forgiven child of the King. And when my emotions accuse me, I'm going to tell them what's true. And when other people or the devil accuse me, I'm going to tell them it is written. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's a story about a tiger who was kept in captivity from when he was a little cub until he was grown up. And it was a cage six meters long by three meters wide. And he would just pace six meters, three meters, six meters, three meters his whole life. And eventually some people rescued him. They took him out into a beautiful open jungle field. They let him free and they expected him to run off free, but he just kept walking six meters by three meters by six meters by three meters because he didn't know he was free. He couldn't accept it. Friend, we need to break the shackles of slavery, of that old way of thinking of guilt. And we need to say, I am free. The Emancipation Proclamation, the freedom of God has been signed by God himself. I trust him, not my emotions, not my feelings, not my own past, not other people's accusations, not the devil's voice. I trust him. Amen. Hallelujah. What will we do if we live like this? What will it do to us? Well, I want to say that it's, it's amazing to see how a person lives who has been set free like this. You know, Jesus, when he came, when he started his ministry, he says he'd come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of the Lord's favor, freedom uh, for captives, uh, good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind. He, he came to proclaim liberty. And uh, he was referring to the Old Testament year of Jubilee, every 50 years all the slaves were set free, all land reverted to its owners, all debts were canceled. It was a year where people didn't work the fields, they just enjoyed the fruit of their labor. Jesus was declaring that. And again and again in the Old Testament, we see promises of what Jesus would do. The clearest is Isaiah 53, uh, which you probably know, but I'll read it to you. It says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes or wounds, we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Friends, how will we live? We will, if we're the poor, we will say, God has given me so much riches spiritually, but he's promised he'll answer my prayers as well. He's going to help me and he's going to lead me in this life. If we are in bondage, we're going to say, I am free and we're going to start walking out. If we are afflicted or sick or blind, we're going to say, he paid for my healing. I'm going to start walking this out. If we are sinful, sheep that have gone astray, we're going to say, God has forgiven me. And even if we stumble again, we're going to say, yes, Lord, I need your forgiveness. But thank you that you are just and faithful to forgive me my sins. Thank you that you are just and righteous and correct. And it's a legal document that you have signed. And I can trust you. Pray this prayer with me. Lord God, thank you. Thank you that you paid such a high price, Lord Jesus. I don't want to minimize, Lord, what you did for me. I don't want to treat it as something less. I want to say you paid enough, Lord Jesus. That beating you took was enough for me to be forgiven. Those wounds that you received were enough for me to be cleansed and healed and set free and made whole. Lord Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I thank you for it. I confess I have sins and I have sinned. And I ask you to cleanse me now from all unrighteousness. And Lord, I will use this just like a person who's received an inheritance. I will walk out with my head held high and with your power upon me, with your grace upon me. I will walk out as the forgiven of the Lord, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Friends, we have a lovely website, leadinglastnetwork.com. We have users all over the world. You can use it just to grow in Christ, or you can use it to start a group in your home or some kind of ministry. We are here to help you free of charge. Have a look, leadinglightsnetwork.com, or look at our app on the web store, on the app store. It's also called Leading Lights Network, and you will be blessed. We would love to hear from you, and we pray for those who've registered with us all the time. So let us know what you have done. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.